Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hey, Waiting Warriors out there. Welcome to another week on the Waiting Warriors podcast. I'm super excited today because today's the first time we're switching over how I'm recording these episodes and we're actually doing video now. So if you are just listening, that's still great. If you want to hop over to, um, I was going to say Instagram, YouTube, that is cool. I just thought it would be a fun new element. So then you You could see the people that I get to see. I think it's fun to connect with military spouses and other waiting warriors that way. So today we have Yvonne Coombs. Welcome to the show, Yvonne. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So you're quite the lady. I'm really excited to have you on and share you with the waiting warrior community. Um, Yvonne is... Um, she didn't say this in her little bio question thing, but I will. She is the 2020 Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year Army Branch winner. Um, if you haven't heard about that, it's a really awesome program that helps highlight military spouses who are doing good in the community. And Yvonne is doing so much good that she won the whole Army Branch. And she's doing that good with her nonprofit that she runs, Operation Deploy Your Dress. Yes. It's a really incredible mission that you have with that. Her husband has been active duty for almost 20 years, which hua to that. And um, (laughs) he's currently in the middle of a 14-day quarantine, which just, you know. Not hua to that. No. <laughs> no happiness towards that. Um, she has a 22 and a 15 year old. So, like, you you just, you have done so much. I'm guessing, though, that 20 years or nearly 20 years as a military spouse, that hasn't just been, like, smooth sailing. How many, how many rainbows and butterflies, (laughs) but you love it. You've been doing it for 20 years. I absolutely love it. I mean, I love this lifestyle. I love the community that comes along with it. The friends that you make, the family, the friends that turn into family and Mm -hmm. absolutely wouldn't change it. Yeah. So how many deployments have you done 20 years? So we've done four long deployments that were, um, a nine month two one year and a 15 month I just cannot like I'm really really glad that the military is shortening the deployments I don't know if anybody else heard but oh I say recently but I feel like COVID has really morphed my like time awareness it was during COVID that army at least came out with like a we're reducing deployments they want to keep it at you know closer to six months when possible and I was like yeah 
that's better because I hear stories about your like 15 month deployments and that just seems nuts to me. Well, and when he left on that 15 month deployment, it was a nine month deployment. And then it was like, well, nine to 12, well, 12 months, well, actually 15. It's like, I feel like I've been bamboozled in this one. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't even emotionally prepare for yourself. I mean, but really, do you ever emotionally prepare for that? <laughs> if you like having a slight countdown, like I know you never know exactly when they're coming until it's like, I, I, I said for our deployment, like, I am not counting down until he tells me he's on the plane. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, we'll count down the hours. <laughs> yeah, like, like from Kuwait, like not even leaving the original country, like they need to be in an actual U.S. base coming across the Atlantic for me to start counting down. Yes. <laughs> That's just me. No, so I what, get it. What has been the most let's call it eventful deployment for you so they all have their uh levels of eventfulness but i think our last deployment was definitely um the most yeah eventful eventful for lack of better words we uh we um were living in dc and he was scheduled to take command in colorado at fort carson and that command got bumped up by about six months. And so he had to leave early. We were gonna leave as a family. Um, we were gonna leave DC as a family and move at Christmas time. He was going to take command in February and deploy with his unit immediately. Um, but at the time our oldest son was a, was a junior in college and he was going to school in DC and he was just three weeks, I think, maybe a month before we were supposed to leave DC, he was actually diagnosed with cancer. And so we quickly made a plan as a family that my husband would leave and he would go to Colorado and take command. And myself and my younger son would stay in DC so that my son could, so that our older son could be treated at Walter mm -hmm. Reed Hospital where, I mean, yeah. if you're going to have something like that happen and you can be treated there, why not? I wasn't mm -hmm. going to, not that, not that they couldn't have treated him well here in Colorado, but why were we going to take him from the best army hospital or best military hospital? Um, yeah. And so we, we went ahead and stayed there while he did his cancer treatment. Wow. And so, so we had that then, you know, my husband took command and deployed and then um, towards the tail end of that deployment, our younger son decided that he needed a little bit of attention. And okay. so he actually got a really bad um, bacteria infection in his body that spread to his blood. And he got sepsis and was hospitalized at the children's hospital for 10 days where, I mean, he was, he spiked a fever over 107, like six different times. His highest That's was 107.8. It was insane. Like they were looking, they were like, take his temperature every which way they possibly could whenever that would happen. Like this can't be right. And well, unfortunately it was right. And um, so, yeah, we, we didn't know if he was going to survive that. And so yeah. it was, it was a uh, way too much excitement for one, for one family to have during a, during a uh, deployment. Oh, during that, sorry, between both of my children deciding to get sick, we moved cross country without my husband and the moving company decided to destroy 90% of our stuff or lose it. So we also had that to contend with. 
nice people. <laughs> so I like I like to joke around and say that when you're going through a deployment, you get a deployment um, pixie. It's not a fairy because fairies are nice and sweet. Right. Pixies are more like mischievous and want to like wreak havoc in your life. So I get this drunk pixie every time my husband deploys and it just wants to screw with me just to see how much that we can take. And this pixie had way too much to drink and he just... Uh, he just did a doozy on our family for this deployment. <laughs> Had you come up with that pixie thing before this last deployment? Or was this just like, no, this has so, to be what's going on? Yes. I mean, because people always talk about, about Murphy's Law, right? Oh, Murphy's Law, when your service member deploys, the car breaks or this or that. And I'm like, it's it has nothing to do with this person named Murphy. It's this drunk pixie that just follows you during deployment. That's what it is. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> I like your description way better than Murphy's Law because like yeah like it sounds so like benign right Murphy's yeah. Law you can't really do anything about no yeah. it's this drunk pixie that's just having way too much fun with me <laughs> I feel like you can explain that better like I still don't know I know what Murphy's Law is I have experienced it and lived it whatever it actually is but the drunk pixie trying to screw with my life makes yeah. so much more sense of just say like that's how it is. I really like that one. Yeah, because can't you see it? Like just as you're catching your breath from one thing and coming up from the waves, this little drunk pixie is kind of floating around like, oh yeah, you getting comfortable? Here you go. Try this one now. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's like you watch, I don't know, I'm picturing that movie with Anne Hathaway. Oh, what's it called? When she, like Ella something. Ella Enchanted. Yeah, like when she's under the truth spell or whatever. And that pixie that she is, or the fairy she's chasing is like all drunk and they're doing mistakes. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And they pixie. think they're probably, they probably think that they're doing us a favor. Just like that fairy did. There you go. Maybe the drunk pixie's name is Murphy. That maybe that's where Murphy's law comes from. <laughs> I called my drunk pixie many things, but Murphy was not one of them. <laughs> that would be a nicer name to say. Um, yes. Okay. So, so back to what your pixie did to you. That's too good not to share. Um, your son had cancer, though. Like that's that alone is huge and terrifying. Absolutely. Like a whole slew of every emotion that is difficult and hard, but then you did it alone, and like was was his whole treatment done, and then he was just in the clear by the time your husband got deployed, or was it just? By the time we moved, by the time we left, but not by the time my husband left, no. How did you handle that alone? Because I'm, I'm assuming. I, I will tell you, I wasn't alone. I mean, that that is, I talked about it at the beginning of this, about the military community. And although I didn't have my husband there, I had a slew of military family that was around me. And that was there to say, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm bringing you some baked spaghetti, shut up and eat it, you know, whatever it was. I had, I had people that were there to, 
to make sure that I was okay and make sure that I wasn't curled up in the fetal position in my closet eating pie mm-hmm. and, you know, just make sure yeah. that whatever we needed that maybe I wasn't able to do on my own, they were there to say, okay, let, let us pick, let us help pick up the slack. And even, mm-hmm. even not just the ones that were right there physically in DC with us, but military family from, you know, previous installations or that had left DC already, they were there to reach out and say, I'm sending you guys gift cards so that you can go and get some Chick-fil-A or uh, my son was going to school in DC and we were living in Arlington and he had to move out of the dorms during that time because of his immune system. And so, but this happened in December and classes started in January and he had already selected his classes for that year. So his classes for that semester happened to like start at 8.30 in the morning during DC traffic hours and get out at like 3.30. And I was having to drive him in and out of the city because I couldn't put him on public transportation. He couldn't live in a dorm. He sure as heck couldn't go on public transportation. And so I had friends that said, hey, we're going to send you some Uber gift cards because you can't always drive into the city. You know, you've got another kid to take care of. So put them in an Uber if you have to, we'll pay for it or whatever. And so they've just, anything that they could think of, even things that I couldn't have imagined that somebody would step up and do for us, they were doing for us. And that's the only way that we were able to get through it. There's no way that, you know, somebody can handle this on their own, especially whenever their, their significant other has to be pulled out to go and, you know, duty calls. This is their, this is their job and they have to do it. Mm -hmm. And so it was because of that military community and that military family that we were able to get through it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a question. I, I hear that often, right? Like military family is everything, which I totally agree with, but I have heard from newer military families that they don't have that. So what is it? What's the difference? Can you think of? either like that you saw between when you were brand new and you now, or just what you see the difference between spouses of more seasoned spouses, because like they always have that family, like they just do versus new spouses don't always. And then you find the ones that are struggling. They're not like, what is the difference between those two groups? So I will tell you what I see. And I don't know if this is necessarily the case across the board, but what I see is a lot of come in maybe seeing this military career that their service member has as their job, not my life. Whereas, you know, we embrace this from the get-go. This is, this is us. This is how, you know, this is our family's lifestyle. We embrace the lifestyle. It wasn't, Hey, this is your job and you do it from nine to five, or if you have to work later or whatever. And I have my own life and never, never, never in between should the two meet, you know, this, we jumped in head first and we're all in from the get-go. And I'm not saying that one way is better than the other, but I think that that's where you don't get that tight military community is yeah. when they're not embracing that whole lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, my husband is currently in battalion command and we see that with, we actually have a lot of families that do want to get involved and be part of the, the U family cohesiveness right now with COVID, it's making it difficult. But then you also have those families that are just like, that's not, that unit isn't my family. That unit is my husband's work. And so to try and pull them out and say, hey, give us a chance, come out and see the cool things that we're doing or the cool things that we want to do or whatever. Some of them, it's just hard to kind of crack into it. And I think 
part of it too is that you know they're kind of warned by previous people who have had a bad experience like hey stay away from the SFRG or stay away from the spouses club that's where all the drama happens or whatever and that's those are stereotypes yes stereotypes exist for a reason but they don't exist across the board it's not a blanket thing and it's something that I try to tell younger spouses all the time is give it a try and give it a try at each installation you know if it doesn't work out at that installation that's fine but then try it again at the next time. Don't say, well, the last installation, the, the unit sucked or the SFRG wasn't great or the spouses club was drama. Like, don't let what happened at a previous installation determine how you're going to approach a, a new installation is what I try to explain to people because you may end up finding your best friends. You may mm-hmm. end up finding your lifelong friends that become family. And if you write it off before you even get a chance, then you're not going to, you're going to miss out on something. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. We got that advice um, because we had been enlisted, but then my husband did ROTC. And so from his ROTC group though, a lot of people went active duty before we did because of his like chaplain schooling. There's a lot more school, you know, other than just your bachelor's. And so we had friends who like, had by the time we came active duty they had like two or three years and they all said the same thing like you cannot determine your job you cannot determine what your family life is going to be like by your first commander your first um company your first unit like you've got to experience a few cycles before you can even come close to judging the whole because like guys there are like how many thousands I don't even know the number. I know it's like 1% of the population, but that is like a huge amount of people. You can't just bundle everybody together. That's ridiculous. Well, and not only that is you may, you may live off post. You may not live on post. You may live in a neighborhood that has a bunch of civilians, but those civilians could become your family. You know, those neighbors that don't, I mean, don't just be like, well, we're only going to be here two years. So what's the point of investing, right? If, if you're, if you're able to, if you do that, you're never going to invest in anything because you're only going to be anywhere for two years or for three yeah. years or for one year or whatever, like jump in, give it a shot, try and make the best of wherever you are. Don't ever wish away one year or two years or whatever of your life because you're not going to get that back. So make the best of it, make some connections and then move on. If it wasn't your favorite place. I mean, we've been to places that weren't my favorite place, but I had great memories from those places. And there were great things that I liked about those places. And then Mm -hmm. we've been to other places that I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to go there. And when I got there, I didn't want to leave there. And so, you know, it's just about what you make of it. And if you go in with a a bad attitude, it's going to suck. Yeah. I'm curious, what, what are some of the places that you didn't want to go to, but then didn't want to leave? Yes. People are often very surprised by this, but our favorite place for, I think as a family, we would all agree the favorite place we've ever been in the military was stationed at Fort Irwin, California in the middle of the Mojave desert. And it was, it was all about the people and the community. Um, I, I still, I still speak to these friends. We left there almost a decade ago and I still speak to these friends on a weekly, if not daily basis we travel to see each other. We get together as families. We get together as just the spouses, you know, whatever. We had such a great group of friends there that I, I wouldn't have traded that experience for anything. Yeah. Okay. So people who don't know Fort Irwin and I know Fort Irwin because I grew up in Southern California and my mom's family is in Utah. 
So we would drive up the I-15 a few and times a year. The I did not. I we literally made that drive three to five times a year, depending like all the time. For yeah, I lived at home for eighteen years. I did not know that Fort Irwin was there though until yes. we joined the army and they asked us like, "Here's a list of all the the bases. Where do you you know where do you want to go?" Type of a thing. I had no idea <laughs> because on that point of the drive, there's just nothing. And there's, there's like nothing. random roads that go off. And then is it Barstow or Baker that it's closest to? It's Barstow, Barstow, Barstow which yeah. is a little bit of a less than desirable place. Yeah. <laughs> so I, was, I was trying to put it nicely, but yeah, it's yeah. so Barstow has a Walmart and a McDonald's and that's pretty much about it you blink and you pass bars though but that's where you turn off of so I-15 is the highway that goes from Las Vegas to Los Angeles and so you turn off halfway between Las Vegas and Los Angeles you're in the middle of the desert and you turn off on this desert road that's just one way going one one lane going one one lane going the other way and you see this sign that says absolutely nothing for the next 34 miles. And what it's trying to tell you is if you need gas, you need to turn back around and get it. If you need food, turn back around and get it. But like, we all are like, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Absolutely nothing. And you drive down this road. And I've told this story a few times. It's just my husband and I for the first time, because the kids, we have family in Southern California as well. So my kids are with our family and we're driving down this desert road. And you kind of come up over a little hill and you see this like dust bowl of a little installation out in the middle of the desert. And there's 7,000 people that are stationed out there, Uh tiny little place. And he looked at me, he said, I am so sorry. My kids are going to hate me. And I said, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. You know, I'm trying to be positive, right? It's going to be fine. Don't worry. And I remember looking out the passenger's window with him at the driver's side. So my head not looking at him so that he can't see that I'm lying to him. Cause the whole time I'm thinking, forget your kids. I'm going to freaking hate you. That's <laughs> all I can think. <laughs> but I'm saying it's going to be fine. Don't worry. And I mean, when people hear that they're being sent out to Fort Irwin, California, it's like, they feel like they're being sent to prison. Like it's a death sentence or something. Mm-hmm. And so I try to now after having that experience, tell them like, it's actually really good. Like the community that you, that you meet there and the friends that you make there are great. The MWR is amazing because there's nothing out there. So they do put on a lot of programs for you. The the installation really does a good job of taking care of their families. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's just, you make the best of it. If you're a shut-in and you don't leave your house, well, of course you're going to be miserable there. But if you get out and you meet people and you make friends and you have wheelbarrow races in the middle of the road like we did, then you're going to be fine and you're going to have lots of fun and you're not going to worry about it. So (laughs) I think it's just you make the best of wherever you go. Yeah. I think, I feel like that is something that one, the sooner you learn, the better off you are in like military spouse life, but also just like the better off you are in life. Cause I feel like 
And obviously this is just my perspective. I understand that like I haven't watched everybody in the world, but from my perspective, when the whole COVID thing hit, the people who were doing best fastest, not that we didn't struggle, but the ones who were able to kind of recover from the initial blow fastest were my military spouse friends because they already knew how to be creative and make the most out of a, a shutdown, a, you know, out of a huge life event that just rocks you. They were able to just turn on their creative eyes. Whereas like now I feel like now that we're what, six months, seven, nine months, I don't even know. <laughs> that whole like time thing. Yes. There's pre-COVID and after COVID, but like now I'm starting to see more creativity. And while nobody wants this to stick around, they're able to make the most out of it more now. And and again, that's just like my perspective. That's not the law and gospel or whatever. But okay. but I just thought it was really interesting. Like, okay, well, it makes sense because we have to get up and uproot and you just have that choice each time like are you going to make lemonade or are you just gonna squeeze lemons in your eyeballs like I feel like that's how how some spouses are sometimes like they're determined to not be happy sometimes and and that's what makes it tough like you have to you have to choose happiness because if you don't choose happiness it can be a very tough life yeah yeah and I Every, every time I say that on Instagram, somebody's like, but there are like, you know, like chemical imbalances are a real thing with depression or whatever. Like we're not talking about if you have that, we're talking about when you're dealing with waiting warrior circumstances that come up, you have the choice. Um, what, what to you has been. Like, what are actual examples of choosing happiness? Um, well, I mean, I can go back to Fort Irwin, right? Yeah. I, I chose to be happy there. I chose to seek out friends, to not stay in my house, to not dwell on the fact that I was living out in the middle of a desert. You know, I chose to connect. And I think that, that that's something that, it's, I've done every place I've gone is I choose to connect and every place has been a little bit different. We were stationed in Toronto once and mm-hmm. it was after leaving Fort Irwin where I had all of these amazing friends. And so it was a very hard move because although I went from the middle of the desert to this big sprawling, you know, city yeah. of Toronto, Canada, it was the hardest move because I was surrounded by people, but still lonely. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, okay, I don't have a military community to plug into. My husband was the only American army officer that they had sent to this thing. So I don't have a military community to plug into. And so I started taking baking classes at the local rec center. Baking wasn't my thing. I, I sought out and chose happiness. It could have been, and it was, it wasn't an easy year. I'm not saying that I was skipping around, you know, thrilled to be in Toronto for that entire time. But I chose to pull myself out of my house. I chose to find other people to connect with. 
And I chose to show my, to teach myself a skill at the same time, right? If, if I can't have friends, I might as well learn something while I'm here. So, and, you know, I made a few friends. It wasn't the same as it was before, but it's never going to be the same. And if you try and compare it to something else, you're going to be disappointed. If you try yeah. and compare it to some high point, you're going to be disappointed. You got to treat them as individual experiences and find, find the, you know, the light in each experience, mm-hmm. I guess. That's solid advice. I feel like we could just have that, that like be the whole episode, but we need to talk <laughs> about Operation Deploy Your Dress. So we did it. <laughs> I, know, I was like, okay, we're going to focus here. Um, okay. So what is Operation Deploy Your Dress? I'm assuming it has to do with clothing. It does, yes. So Operation Deploy Your Dress was actually co-founded by myself and four other Army spouses almost five years ago, back in late December of 2015. We um, wanted to do a dress swap, which is not necessarily uncommon on military installations, where you collect dresses from your friends and neighbors, and then you swap them with somebody else so that you can have a new-to-you dress to wear to a ball and not have to pay a lot of money. We were trying to find a way to boost the attendance at our military balls coming up. We had three different units that were having military balls and we wanted to help Mm -hmm. boost that attendance. And especially in the junior, in the junior soldiers and their family members, we wanted anybody who wanted to go to these balls to be able to go and for costs not to be an issue for them. So we started collecting dresses from our friends and neighbors. We got a little bit of national media attention really quickly and we thought we'd collect a couple hundred dresses, put them up in a community center, give them away on a weekend, and then go back to our lives. Yeah. And um, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, the national media attention got us a few thousand dresses instead of a couple of hundred dresses from all over the country. They started flooding in. Wow. Um, you should have seen my basement. It was like a this wall. Yeah. So then we started panicking, like, well, what are we going to do with all of these dresses? There, yeah. We don't have enough time to put them up in a community center and distribute them in one weekend. Like, what yeah. are we going to do? And so the garrison commander that was there at Fort Bliss with us at the time, he said, hey, the, this gift shop just shut down. Go ahead. Use that. Distribute your dresses. Do good for the community. And then once you're done with your dresses, then we'll, you know, repurpose that space for whatever. Yeah. And almost five years later, that space is no, still not a gift shop. It is a dress shop. So <laughs> once we realized about six months in that it was not only a need, which we knew it was, but a desire for the American population to help, mm-hmm. uh, we said, let's see if we can do this someplace else. So I was PCSing to, to Virginia. We took it to Virginia. It worked well there. So then we just keep, we just kept spreading. And so we are now 10 shops in. We're about That's to exciting. open our tenth shop in Germany. So we're going international as well, which is exciting. And, you know, it's it's such an amazing thing because we get to work with spouses clubs at each of the installation to bring these pro- this program to their communities. We get to work with so many military spouses that see our vision and have the same love and desire to help their community that we do. And so they're willing to run these shops at those installations. And you know, a lot of times military spouses don't have time to work a full-time job, but they're able to volunteer with us, but get real world work experience that they can then put on a resume. And when they do have time to work a real job, they've got that experience. And so we've had, we've had spouses that have taken their 
experience working with the operation to play your dress, turn it into careers. And that's something that we didn't expect to happen. We didn't expect to be able to be helping people build a resume and build a career on top of giving somebody a dress to go to a ball. You know, so yeah. these dresses are formal dresses to wear to military balls, to wear to homecomings, proms, things like that. They're completely free. It's not a borrow and return. It's yours to keep. So if you need to alter it, you alter it, whatever. And it's been donated by dress companies and individuals from all over the country that just want to help the military. That's super awesome. So where what are the 10, 10 places? So Douglas, Texas, Fort Eustis, Virginia, JBLM, Washington, Fort Irwin, California, um, Fort Benning, Georgia, Fort Stewart, Georgia, Fort Carson, Colorado, Fort Hood, Texas, Fort Drum, New York, and I'm going to butcher it, Kaiser Slattern, <laughs> Germany. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Those You're literally like north to south and east to west. That east is to west and now, another, now overseas, which yeah, we're really, really excited about. Yeah. Jump over. That is incredible. Like giant round of applause. Um, so if somebody like needs a dress, is it, cause I know some things are like rank wise, is there rank qualifications or, or can anybody go and do it? Um, do you accept from just anywhere? Can you tell us kind of all the things that would, if somebody is where you are and wants to participate is that the right word participate so if you're if you happen to be in any of those installations that i that i named off you can look up that installation operation to play your dress on facebook so fort carson dash operation to play your dress fort bliss dash operation to play your dress look up that location dash operation to play your dress you can reach out to them via facebook and send them a message and say hey i'd like to volunteer or hey what are your hours i'd like to come in and shop it is not rank dependent. We never wanted it to be dependent on rank. And once we realized that we were going to have such a, an outrageous support of dresses and that we and that the inventory would be would be able to support all ranks, we knew immediately that it needed to be an all ranks in an all ranks program. Um, largely because we want people to use it. We don't want there to be any kind of stigma attached to receiving yeah. a free dress from Operation of Player Dress. These dresses are amazing, first of all. So You'd be crazy to put a stigma on it, but we've had we've had everything from four-star general spouses proudly wear Operation of Player Dress dresses to E1 spouses who this was their very first experience in yeah. the military. They didn't think they'd be able to attend a ball, and they were in tears because I, I remember this one girl calling. It was on our grand opening here at Fort Carson calling her husband in tears because she had found a dress and he had told her she wasn't going to be able to go to the ball because they couldn't afford it. And she found a dress and she was like, I can go to the ball now. And she was in tears. And you know what? This is her first army experience. So her first army experience could be, I get to go to this fun event and interact with other people in this unit, or I get to get left behind while my husband has to go to some mandatory fun. And fortunately she got to go to the event. And so it can very much shape somebody's perspective on this lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting left out, if you're not Cinderella getting left out of the ball, then you might be more willing to embrace the not so fun parts of the army when you get to participate in the fun parts of the military. For sure. So what if somebody wants to donate? So to donate a dress, you can go to our website, operationdeployyourdress.org. 
And we have a little map there that you can click on any of our locations and it'll give you an address. And all you have to do is pack up your dress and mail it to that location and we will process it. Our volunteers will get a thank you postcard back to you that with our tax ID number on it and it will be put into the inventory for somebody to choose. That's awesome. I just, the whole like concept and idea and how you guys have executed it and grown it and just continually helping people just makes me like really, really happy. And I love that you guys are doing it like so much. <laughs> balls are so much fun. Like I love the balls. I love them so much. That is, okay, so little story. Um, I When I met my husband, he was in the ROTC class at the college we were going to, but he hadn't signed on. He ended up enlisting and then joined ROTC later. But mm. it was he asked me to the ball after we had been dating, and it was at the ball that I was like, oh, shoot, I love this guy. So it's like, <laughs> thank you so happy and bring him back. And no, not all the balls are like, ooh, we're going to fall in love Hope, most of the time. You probably are already married to them, but they can be so much fun and as magical as you make them out to be. And I love that you make it just that much easier for anybody, anybody, anybody to do it. And I, I just love it so much. I can't like, <laughs> we love it too. We love it too. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't still be doing it almost five years later. So that's true. Five years and like 10 places and across the country like that cannot be a simple like thing to run you know like so how no you know we 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 work hard behind the scenes and um you know especially most of the people who work at the national level aren't getting to do the fun part of working in the shops and deploying the dresses right. and seeing the smiling faces they're doing the not so fun part of the tax side of things and the bookkeeping <laughs> side of things and the sop writing side of things but um, it's it's what's required to make this to make this run and to bring this this program to so many installations, and we're happy to do it because we get to see the at, to this point almost twelve thousand military families that we've helped, mm -hmm. and we get to see the impact that it's having on units morale because people are able to participate in these things or on a spouse's morale because she has something that's hers that she volunteers in every week and it isn't dependent on what her service member does or, you know, it's just something that she does for her. And so, you know, although we're behind the curtain, you know, working away, make, making the wheel, making the wheels go and not always getting to see the fun things, it's the overall picture of why we continue to do what we do. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, last question, because fine, we have to end. I can talk to you <laughs> a lot. But what is your key to thriving that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors? Um, so I think I've spoke on it a few times already during this during this interview, but it's absolutely community. Everywhere you go, you find your community whether it's one person or 20 people. And it's not gonna, again, it's not gonna be the same at every installation. Some installations, you might just have that one person that that's your person and you, you know, you do everything with them and you go to lunch every day together and you start a nonprofit with them or whatever. Or it may be a group of spouses that you go running with all the time and you go on girls weekends to run half marathons. I'm speaking from experience in all of these things, by the way. 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it's finding what the fit is for that time in your life and that place in your life and mm-hmm. making sure that you have that community that's going to help you because unfortunately you never know when you're going to need it for a hard, a hardship in this lifestyle. So it's great to have them to go through all the fun and laughs and smiles with, but it's also great to have them behind you when something else very unexpected happens. So it's a community 100%. And I will add, just remember that like, we all have that drunk pixie. So like something bad will happen. (laughs) It's not, Oh, well, I don't need the community right now. It's like, no, Drunk Murphy Pixie will. <laughs> the second you think you don't need you don't need the community is when Drunk Murphy Pixie is going to take you know knock you right on your butt. So be ready for it. <laughs> I like just even the visual like makes all the crap so much better. If I just right some, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so much better. Well. Yvonne, if um, somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I know you told us all the employ operation, deploy your dress things, but what about you? If somebody wants to say thank you, if they want to talk to you a little bit more, what what's the best? Yep, absolutely. So um, I have a Facebook page that is a 2020 Armed Forces Insurance Army Spouse of the Year, Yvonne Coombs, that you can go to. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Evie. Evie Coombs, um, E-E-V-E-E Coombs. And um, then honestly, if you go to the um, Operation Deployer Dress website, if you send an email, that comes to me. If you call that phone number, that it's not my phone number, but it comes to me. So I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So. <laughs> and, and I love hearing, I love hearing from people and I love connecting people. I love answering questions. I, I love this lifestyle so much that I am happy to do what I can to help somebody who may be struggling or maybe just has a question. It doesn't even have to be a struggle. I'm happy to, to be there and help. You're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Winning Warriors, please reach out, say thank you. If you are in a place that Operation Deploy Your Dress is, please check them out. Even if you don't need a dress, um, make sure you spread the word because I know that is like, it's just something that even if people don't say that they have as a struggle, like that's not normally someone shouts out on the rooftop, you know? So just spread the word regardless. Um, And if, yeah, just all the things, make sure you say thank you, have a good week. And guys, remember, just because it's hard doesn't mean it has to be miserable, as Yvonne has very clearly taught us and shared with us. Thanks again, Yvonne. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Waiting Warriors, if you are heading towards or in the middle of a deployment or shoot, you're just a military spouse trying to do their best, I want to give you something I've created for with you in mind. I've created a free download called Three Ways to Set Up Your Marriage for a Successful Deployment. I know deployments can be tough, but I am a firm believer that they don't have to ruin your relationship, and I would really love to share with you what I've learned and now have done over and over again in my own marriage. 
So go to subscribepage.com slash three ways to set up your marriage for a successful deployment. All one word there at the end. Or check out the show notes for a link. Or right now you can go to my website, thewaitingwarriors.com, and there's a pretty little yellow button on top waiting for you.